We are in chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going. I'm going to pray, and then we will jump in here. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you that we are here again. Lord, I say this every single week. I thank you for those things, and Lord, I just, uh, I mean it. Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this. I'm grateful for those that come. Lord, uh, we just would ask that your presence be a reality here this morning in Sunday school and in the service. Lord, I pray that right now that those that are dozing, Lord, at home, that you would wake them up. Lord, I pray that your spirit would stir within them, help them to realize they need to be here. And God, I pray that you would work that out. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, if you're dozing here, I'll just talk louder. Um, so this part, I feel, anybody, anybody having trouble finding their seat? You guys didn't change that much over here, you know, everybody out here is, um, for those of you that are newer, I used to, I'll say this again in the service, but I used to do this all the time without telling anybody. I would just shuffle the, the seats around and do a different arrangement every once in a while. Um, I, I like this one a lot because, because if I stand right here, there's a perfect, like, I, I just love the lined up, symmetrical feel of it. My dad's out there laughing at me. I, I know, I know, they're going to come in, who's going to come in and trip over that middle aisle right there? We also figured out on Thursday night that the seat you don't want is that third one back in the middle, because that's where everything is directed, right there. And these first two, you know, can, can duck, but that person's got a problem, there's nobody behind them, and so it's just, right? Oh, yes, yeah, the painting is done. I'm blending in with the background now. Just a talking head. Paul thinks I should get one of those uh, those clerical collars, but then he said it would never show unless I looked up. All right, uh, I want to take a look at James, and I'm going to do this a little bit different. Um, not a whole lot different, so don't freak out, but uh, a little bit different. I'm going to recommend that we look at that second, if you have one of your blank notes, that second question, what do we learn about people, um, and also uh, the one, like, honestly, this is an application-heavy section, and so we can even go down, what, what does God want me to think, what does God want me to believe, what does God want me to desire, what does God want me to do? These are all very direct questions, and I think that we could really very easily with this one kind of even start with those application questions this time because that's exactly what's going on. In fact, uh, one of the common commentaries pointed out that uh, this is a conclusion of a paragraph and it really flows from what he just said. So let's see if anybody remembers. Well, what did we just talk about last week? What were we to be? You can look. Doers and not what? Here's only, right? Doers, not here's only. And so one of my commentaries pointed out that here's some specific ways in which obedience to the word can be manifested. So what does that look like? 
That's kind of what James is doing here, okay? Uh, I also, I'm going to read this, and then I, I want to give some brief explanation because I think that this particular passage, there's some things that this, this can really go off the rails with if you're, if you're not careful, so I, I want to point out one particular thing. So let's read it first. Uh, James 1.26, okay? And I'm going to give you one of the little things that might help you um, right off the bat. The word that you're going to see in here that says religious and religion is a word that is commonly found in the Greek world, okay? I, I don't know this because I've studied the Greek world. I know this because I read a commentary. And uh, both of them pointed this out. This word is a commonly used word out in the Greek world, and it's usually used in reference to things that have to do with, um, let's see here, the worshiping of a god or gods. It often goes along with acts of worship. So it's really something that they would have been familiar with. It's not really any different than we think of our word religion or religious. It's things that are done in, in connection to a god or gods, in the case of Christianity, the one true God, okay? So that's one thing. So when you hear it, don't think, oh, what is this, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's a word that they would have heard is like, hey, if you, if you think you're doing something for God, right? So verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Uh, all right, so two comments. The first one I gave a minute ago, what does that word religion mean? I think the second one I need to make because I, th this could go off the rails, and so before we just go, you know, contemplating too much, let's, let's hear this. Douglas Moo, one of the commentators, he said, we must keep in mind that James is not attempting here to summarize all that true worship of God should involve. So when he says true religion is this, and he lists these two things, that, that doesn't mean that James is trying to say this is, you can cut out everything else out, right? Okay, that's important, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Um, not just Douglas Moot, John Calvin as well, go back a few more hundred years. He does not define generally what religion is, but reminds us that religion without the things he mentions is nothing. In other words, he's saying, here's some examples. So John Calvin's saying the same thing that I'm talking about. It's, these are examples. He's given some examples of what it really looks like. Okay, I say that, and then we're going to open up for discussion. I say that because I've encountered people that, and, and I'm going to use it in terms of an illustration. They've, they've asked the question, um, what's more important? that you share the gospel with somebody or if they're hungry, you give them a sandwich, right? We've, we've, we've talked about this. We, we faced this um, as a church. We face this as a people sometimes when you're in the world. Um, there's a very much churches that lean heavily into that, the, the give the sandwich part of the gospel, and the gospel, giving the gospel message is either secondary or almost not important at all. Uh, we've also probably been at churches that lean heavily the other direction into the preaching of the gospel, but don't lift a finger to, to help a need. That clearly is off, okay? Um, but some people that lean this way have used this verse 
to speak to that. Oh, real religion, James says, is fatherless and the widows, as if everything else has been cut out. And they even, they even forget to mention what's actually in that verse. There's another thing mentioned. What's the other thing in that verse that's mentioned? Well, I mean, you can, you can look, keep, keep yourself unstained from the world, right? Fatherless and widows, and to keep oneself unstained. So they even skip that part um, and focus on that. All right, so I'd like to open it up for some discussion and I'd like us to just, I'm, and I'm jumping right to the application questions. What does God want me to think, understand, want me to believe, want me to desire, want me to do? And I also recommended, what do we learn about people? We can dig into some of the other ones in a minute, but let's start with some of those things. What do you see, how does this scripture answer or make us think about any of those questions? Do I need to read it again? What's that? I heard something over here. Not yet? You have a question? I do. So I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the different responses. Mm -hmm. And I can remember um, when I was introduced, it was around the time that, what's his name, that wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel, Brendan Manning. Or yeah, Brendan Manning. Okay, and then there was the whole push for the St. Francis of Assisi quote. Preach the gospel always if necessary, use words. Yeah. Right. And then we're over here. But you're confident because I'm confused. Like you're saying, because it says here, religion that is pure and unified with our God. It means you're, but you're saying based on what you've studied, that's just an option. They're giving examples. They're giving. They're. They're not. He's not. James is not attempting to summarize all of what religion is. And I see Paul's hand up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and that's. Yeah. Yes, and that's why I, I took a moment to describe things done on God's behalf, right? Religion. That's how they would have heard that word. Things that are people are doing for God. Yeah, to worship God. Um, it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it says, if you think you're religious and does not brighten his tongue, his religion is worthless. So religion right there also includes brightening your tongue. Yeah. They never bring that up. Yeah, they, yeah, they don't bring that up. So, Unless I, they don't want to hear what I'm saying, they say I should brighten my yeah, tongue. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So, but that's, that's why I address that. It's, I've always read that, and it's kind of, that's why I brought that up. Because I've always read that, and I, I felt like that was a pretty tough argument for me to try to work my way through but as I started looking at it, it James is not attempting and I think it, it's in obvious ways like the way Paul mentioned I mean just look at the rest of the book right yeah there is something very important about those things yes yeah mm -hmm. okay. yeah yeah, so I'm not diminishing the importance okay. of that. I'm not saying those aren't. That I'm just saying he, he's giving an example of what it means to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And here's an example of that. That's what he's doing. No, you don't have to be done. 
Anybody else? Questions? It's a horse metaphor. Like literally, just the way we hear it. Yeah. Uh, hold, yeah, I mean, when, when, I, when I say hold, hold your tongue, sometimes it means shut up. Right, bridle, bridle might mean don't say anything. Bridle could be uh, make sure you say r- the right things. Yes, there's control. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you were trying to just take the wheel? Yeah. Yeah. But no, is that like, a, like it seems like Yeah. Well, I am going to I'm going to be honest with you here. Uh there's sometimes there there's there's examples of this that are very apparent. So, being a high school teacher, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh I've, actually, let me go way back. When I was in high school, one of my science teacher who probably nobody except like three people in the room remember this guy, Mr. Bell. Um you remember Mr. Bell? I don't know if you remember Maury Bell. Um, he used to say about kids, he'd say, they've got, every once in a while he'd say, I think you've got um, diarrhea of the mouth and constipation of the brain, <laughs> right? In other words, the mouth is running, but the brain stopped up. And uh, I, I'll never forget that, that mental picture because it's gross. But um, it, you see this, there's, there's, let's go to the extreme version of this. The tongue part. There are some people, and I think we all have a tendency to do this, who whatever's going on up here, it comes out here. Right? That's an extreme example of a tongue that is not bridled. I, I'm thinking it, you know, it's like a kid, a kid, kids will say it, I just have to say something. I want to go, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to say something right now. Um, <laughs> What's that? I don't want to interrupt. I don't inter- interrupt, but <laughs> it, but there, there's some that it's like uh, the now now there's nothing wrong in a case like this. Like we're all sitting here. I think it's good for all of us to be involved. I think those things are great. We ought to questions, comments, all those things. But I think one part of not bridling the tongue is is a is a pride issue of like necessarily needing to into everything. I think another version of that could be just those quick responses in anger, right? That could be a version of it, people that have quick responses in anger. Something happens like, right? That's an example of an unbridled tongue. What other, I mean, let's not overcomplicate it. What are some other examples of an unbridled tongue? I I think that's a good, honestly, I think that's a great one. Um, Cussing. Yeah. Using bad words. And by the way, uh, this is this is debate in in aspects of my family. We talk about this. Um, uh, you know, the, what does the Bible say about it? My sons like to bring this up. Does it really say we shouldn't say this? You know, and like all those sorts of things. And I like to point out the passage of scriptures that talk about those things. Um, I if if I'm with a Christian and they tend to, um, you know, drop some, you know vain or profane speech to use a biblical terminology i don't judge them for those those things <laughs> i don't judge them for it but uh um i i personally I, i'm like it 
being, and I think most of us working in the world, that's one of the easiest things you can do to differentiate yourself is just talking a little bit different. And kids pick up on that right away. I have never once in any of my classes, I've been at Danville High School for quite a while, but even before that, I've never once in any of my classes said, hey, don't use that kind of language in front of me, right? Now, if they're like cussing at each other, I'll say, hey, stop talking. That's a different issue, right? If they're yelling at each other or something. But I, I don't have to do that. Most of them will very quickly go, oh, I'm sorry. And I've never said anything to them about, it's like, why, why did they think that? Why? I didn't tell them that, that that's a bad word. And, uh, but that's a whole other side issue. But I, I, think that's a, I think that's a good one. Some people aren't careful with their words. Yeah. I was just like, I had a lady come to the store. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of what you say all the time. Yeah. So she came in to buy something for her boss. She takes care of this elderly woman who's in her 90s. She's clearly not a believer. She's very open about that. But she's bought her something religious out of my store. Mm-hmm. And she's describing her boss. And she's like, oh, she's such an amazing woman. She's a Christian. She's telling me she's a Christian. Yeah. And this is how she knew. She's never, ever, ever said a bad word, ever, yeah. in front of me or that I know of. Um, she's gone to church faithfully for uh, 70 some years to the same church. She's gone faithfully. And she's kind. Hmm. And I thought, that's so interesting because I'm sure she's preached the gospel to her caretaker. She sounds like the kind yeah. of woman that would talk about Jesus in front. Mm-hmm. That, that was the sum total of her. Like, I know she's that- a Christian. And that goes really well with this passage, doesn't it? Yeah, like it was, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I was just sat there and listening and was like, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to go pray in the back for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anybody else? Uh, we're, we're, now, we're on the tongue thing. I, I want to tell you that we won't be done with this one. This is a, a point that James likes to, and he's going to come back to again. Okay. Oh, on the bus? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, there was this one guy in particular, you know, just a young, you know, college kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, every other word out of his mouth was the F. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at him after a while and I was like, and I know he sensed me because I was just like, man, and that's such a bad word. You know, I know. It just sounds it, nasty. I, and I just not from the pulpit, but... Um, some point I have to share my theory on why kids use that word so often. I but I'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's let's throw in there as well on that that issue, um, taking God's name in vain. Right. I mean, that's one that we we don't have to argue about. Let's. That shouldn't be happening. Right. Um, uh, bridling the tongue. Uh, so if we're talking about what does God want me to do, that very last question, bridle your tongue. I, I, I'm try, I, I'm, I should have written this one down. The proverb, I bet somebody in here knows it, the proverb that says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Right? I mean, there's... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's early on, first half of Proverbs, I know that. That really nailed it down, didn't it? Oh, gossip. Oh, man. Lying. Complaining. Ooh, now we're opening up a can of worms, aren't we? Um, there's a lot of things that... that you, what, what is James going to say later? The, the tongue is just a world of evil. Right? All right. Oh, man. 
Yeah, no, no. I think I think all of the above, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that proverb I always, uh, another one that I love is uh, like a, a man shooting fiery arrows into the air is a person who says, I was merely joking. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but it, it reminds me a lot of how quick we are to, oh, well, you know, we're letting our tongue run rampant. You know, saying all kinds of stuff, and then when it hurts somebody, like, oh, I was just, and that it pictures that. Oh, I was, oh, I was meaning that, you know. Is yeah. There a connection between that, the bridle of the tongue and the deception of its heart. Yeah. That's, I think, I, I'm going to open that up because I'm going to tell you, I, neither one of the commentaries I had really unpacked exactly what that means, but do you guys, did you guys see that as well? There's some connection there between the way it's stated. Who does not, and it like it goes hand in hand. If you're not bridling your tongue, you're deceiving your yourself, your heart. I mean, what does exactly that mean? I, I don't I I don't know exactly. I, I Oh, yeah. 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 Funny, funny story about that. Uh, that was Paul Tripp said that, and he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, one of the ways to apologize is not to say I, you know, I, I didn't mean that, but to say I want to apologize because I that I was the kind of person that would say something like that and mean that, and so I. I didn't fully flesh that out, but then I tried that on charity one time, said something, and, and instead of just going, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, you know, I said, I'm sorry that I meant that. They <laughs> didn't phrase it quite right, and it, it, I don't know if you remember that, but it, oh, look, she's still mad at me about it. I don't even remember what it was. Um, but there's a, but I, I think you're right. I think there's an aspect there of, of out of the what is what does Jesus tell us? Out of the overflow of the heart, what speaks? The mouth. So when you go, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. It came from you, right? And so it's. I I think that probably that would be. If I was guessing, that would be my my educated guess at the deceiving yourself. If you if you don't have a bridal tongue, it'd be easy to think, oh well, that's not me. That's not me. And I, I'm glad Kathy brought that up. That's not me. That's Jesus tells us. Your mouth is speaking out of what's flowing up out of you, right? That's coming from you. Um, yeah. Which makes you then think about the foul language part. You know, where's that coming from? What That's flowing up from who they are. I think as well, it's interesting to think about this as well. If, if, you, if you have a bridled tongue in certain situations, but you don't in other situations... Do you really have a bridled tongue? I, I, that's a, I don't know. What do you guys think about that one? It shows intentionality at that point. Hmm? It shows intentionality at that point. Yeah. Like, you intend. Like, I'm, I, I'm not, it's not for about bridling the tongue at that point. It's about appearances. Yeah. What did you say? Well, I, oh. I, the deception, I think, is connected to the first phrase. If anyone thinks, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So that's really good. I like that. So that that uh, that uh, that does a better job of tying it back into what I said was the context earlier. This is about being a doer, not a hearer only, right? That does tie that back into that even better. That's good. I like that. So um, I think that we could also ask the question. Let's go up to that. Um, what do we learn about people? And I, I want to hit on, I, I know that normally I don't try to point you at certain questions, and Paul hasn't really done that either, but let's, question number two, part B, look for the fallen condition. What do we learn about people in our fallen condition? What's something about us that we can learn in our fallen condition? <laughs> It, don't have a problem or do? Oh, he thought he said do. Yeah. 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 She's like. Tongue, tongue bridled. No. But, the, you know, there's going to be a huge connection. I don't know why this always happens. There's such a big connection sometimes between what we're doing in Sunday school and what I'm talking about in the service, and it's so challenging to, to, to tie those things in. Let, I will, I will, I'm not going to talk about this in the service, but let me give you, I'd like to give you an example of something that I've, I've talked about here before, but uh, it, it's so true. It's always true. It's true when I preach. It's true when I'm a teacher. Um, when I first started teaching, I was teaching at a Christian school, and one of the things I like to do is, is I would talk about why you ought to do your homework in a Christian school. I was able to really give the real reason. You know, like, I, who the flip cares if you get a great grades and go to college? That's not my number one concern. My number one concern is that you ought to do everything hardly as if for the Lord and not for men. And so I would have kids that would be like, when I grow up, I want to be a missionary. And I would go, you don't even do your homework. What makes you think God's going to give you a bigger responsibility? Here's the thing he gave you now, and you're not doing it. What makes you think he's going to give you that? I mean, there's a real biblical precedent set to say God gives you these responsibilities. And a lot of times, there's, you were faithful to this, let me give you this, right? And, and so I would say that to these kids. And it never failed. The kids that didn't do their homework, it was like... I, Superman and bullets. It's like, king, king, you know, just, you know, they're just sitting there, yeah. <laughs> but it never failed, and there's one kid in particular, and uh, uh, her name was Amanda Clapel, and she's she's probably like in her late 30s now. That's just raw. Uh, but every time she was so diligent, and every I can't tell you how many times I would have some little lecture, and I was. I was in my teacher mind aiming it at these certain young fellas that were never doing a good job at anything and half-heartedly doing stuff. And it never failed. 
I would get on a rant like I taught a Bible class too, and I'd get on a little rant in a Bible class about something like that, and it never failed. Amanda Clapel would come up afterwards with tears in her eyes. My gosh, you probably be doing a better job not doing it. I'm like, you know, you're fine. <laughs> but there, there's a reality that actually I think that that speaks a lot to the tenderness we have to, to the word and to the scriptures and to the spirit. And if, if we hear these things, and it spurs us on to do more, right? We're already trying to bridle our tongues. We're already working at those things, and we hear we're like, yeah, man, I'm really not doing great. You know, th- that's, that is one of the, I think, one of the chief signs of someone who, who is genuinely a child of God and they got the Spirit of God working in them is that they can't hardly hear anything from the Word without being convicted and, and driven to do more and to strive for Him and to work for the Lord. And just how... how I want to keep that, that lifelong act of repentance, right? Not just repenting now, but always repenting. Not just saved once, but I'm being saved even now. Um, and uh, I think that's true a lot of times when I, like in here, uh, you know, I'll be preaching and I'll think of something and I'm like, you know, I'll say something. And the, the ones, I, 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 try never, I try not to do this, but I'm a human being. And every once in a while, I'll have a point, and there's a little bit of my mind, and I have to rebuke. I'm like, no, Matt, you can't do that. But there's a little bit of me. Every once in a while, it sinks in. It's like, I hope they're listening, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I can say God has protected me most of the time because every single time I've ever had that, I can say across the board. Charity knows this because I'll tell her about it sometimes. Every single time I've ever, like in my preparation, somebody started to pop into my mind about, man, I hope they're there. They never show up that Sunday. They're never there. That's, that's the Sunday that they're not there. I'm like, well, Lord, there you go. Um, and so you'll usually hear me challenge myself with that because I'll go, uh, well, everybody that's here is supposed to be here, so you must be here to hear this, you know, because I'm thinking in my own head, like, oh, man, what was I even thinking about thinking that way? Anyway, but to answer your question, um, if you as a Christian, you hear this and you're striving for these things, but you hear it and you're still convicted, like, to go further and to grow in it, I think that's a sign of your Christianity. Who James is addressing here are the ones that, frankly, have ears to hear but don't hear. Right? I mean, we get into that conversation separately, what that's all about. But let's let's just focus in on what 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 do we learn? I think that's one of the things we learn about ourselves is we have a propensity or a tendency towards an unbridled tongue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's so as you look at it, like when we're talking about those examples of the people who can see it, like, oh man, this is me. Mm-hmm. That, like you said, that's an indicator. But it's that when we're talking about the condition of fallen man, the condition of fallen man is that he's constantly yeah. trying to lie to himself about who he really is mm-hmm. and whether he's really even fallen. Yeah, even t- go back to where uh, it talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty and seeing what manner of person you are. I think there's a lot of... This is, what, this is where it starts to... If, you, if you're looking, um, James does have some big picture themes that are tying it all together, doesn't he? This isn't just random spatterings of teachings. There's, there's some things he's pulling together in here. Yeah. 
us having introspection about who we are and, and how far we should take this thing and that thing. This is a guy who at one point said, let's get rid of Jesus. <laughs> let's ditch him. Let's, yeah. let's get him to go somewhere else. And now he's like, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Talk about introspection. Yeah. So he really lived it. He lived mm. what we're trying to understand right now. That's a good point. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it says if you deceive yourself, I, I think like if you have that mindset where you're always trying to build the kingdom up, you're trying to avoid meaningless spoils, there's times when someone will bring up an opinion and you'll jump in with your own opinion, almost like an, an attack mode. And it you know, it causes I'm saying it's not bad to share opinions, but mm -hmm. there is a line there where it causes Christians to you know, it's almost like a dividing thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not careful of it. Like I can, I can disagree with somebody in church and keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. But if you're bridling your tongue, when I when I hear the word bridle, like I said, I didn't think about it until you start talking about here. It doesn't mean like shut your mouth off. It means direct it. So mm -hmm. you always have that direction of I'm building up the kingdom. Mm -hmm. If somebody says something that you don't agree with, you're like, well, it's it's better for the kingdom mm -hmm. for me to hold your tongue. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that sets us apart. Like, you put a group of people in the room, it's almost impossible, impossible for them to get to get, to get along. Mm -hmm. If you put Christians in a room, because they have Christ as the thing that unifies them, mm -hmm. you can hold your opinions to yourself. You can, yeah. you can see somebody doing something that you're like, well, it's not really sin, but it, it annoys me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold my tongue. Yeah. For the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a bridle and a tongue. Absolutely. I think that goes for evangelism, too. People don't want to be squashed. They don't want their ideas and their motives and their interests, their thoughts. Mm -hmm. they, don't want, they don't want to be hammered. I proved you wrong. It's like, never get another opportunity to talk to them again. Mm -hmm. Can't control your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think if you if you're ever wondering, like I, I need to, I need to grow in my tongue usage, to better tongue usage, I would say, just start reading through. I I've had uh, Jason Hermerkaus is one that used to do this. He did this for like several years in a row. Right, you can read a proverb a day in a month and he did it for like several years just so he read proverbs so many times he he'd have a proverb for everything and uh it's so there's so many in proverbs that deal with this exact issue i think of the one when we talk about this is the one like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word fitly spoken i mean there's 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 something about choosing your words carefully and and cautiously and spirit-filled word usage right now i we can talk. We keep going on this one. We'll get to come back to the tongue later in James. I want to talk about the rest of it though, because um, I did lay out a little bit of a dilemma here. Um, so, so presenting the gospel, do we give them a sandwich or do we, you know, tell them the gospel? Right? I mean, there's there's a balance here. 
Now, I want to I propose something here. I want to propose a thought and just lay a thought out there. Um, the reality is, if you look at just Danville, the needs are huge, physically. There's some seri- Now, we could debate over some of the needs because some people... But what about the ones that got themselves into? Okay, we, we can talk about all that. But even with, if we set all those aside, there's still a lot of people that, have, that they're trying hard and they've got some serious needs, right? We, we can't, I mean, that could be burdensome, couldn't it? I mean, what if, what if we thought that this was every single orphan and, and, and every single widow in Danville is our responsibility? That would be overwhelming, I know this sounds weird, doesn't it? Some of you are like, what's he getting ready to say? Here's the thing. If you go back to the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah. And Elijah is sent, in fact, Jesus uses Alice as an illustration. He, he's not sent to all the widows. In fact, he's not, he's not to sent to any of the widows in Israel. He's sent to a widow in Syria, I think. Damascus, is it Syria? Um, he's sent, and, and God brings him there, and then miraculously provides for her needs during this drought. One of the things, and there's a lot of other illustrations that that points to, but one of the things that I think about as a church that I've had to work through and wrestle through in my mind is when you look at a lot of these things where Jesus talks about the poor and taking care of the poor, so often, especially through those New Testament books, it's geared specifically towards who? Us, the church, Right? Now, that's not to say that I would, neg- I, I would purposely neglect those outside of the church. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. But my main responsibility is to the church. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think one of them, e- even illustrated here, is, is pointed out that th- that's our main responsibility. We've been talking on Thursday nights with the guys about the role of deacons, and we started in Acts chapter 6, and one of the things that spurred the whole thing on is that the widows were not being all taken care of equally. Not all of the widows in Jerusalem, but the widows that had become part of the church. In fact, there's other passages in Scripture that talks about there's a list. They would have a list. Are the widows on the list being taken care of, right? So our, our number one priority is within the church. Uh, I'm going to be really blunt and obvious, blunt and not obvious, but just blunt, I guess. I'm just going to be blunt. So that's a challenge that we face when we have people, there's people every once in a while that will contact the church and want money, right? And you have a little bit of this, like here, James stuff, that makes me want, like I I feel spurred on, like shouldn't I be, or shouldn't we as a church be? But at the same time, my main responsibility is to those within the church. Like we have a benevolent fund. The primary purpose for the benevolent fund is for for our deacons when they recognize a need to try to financially help the people in our church, it's not meant to be out and about everywhere. It's meant primarily, and so I keep throwing that word primarily, and I keep emphasizing it. Do you like how I do that? Primarily, not exclusively, but primarily for those within our body. This will become, I think, potentially an even more important thing to really think through. If we get to a place, say, for example, say next year, they pass a law that if I don't use the correct you know, terminology, they're going to let me go from the school and I lose my job, right? I may be coming to you guys as a church going, 
Help, can you help me get through this time? Hypothetical, it's getting close, isn't it? It's getting close. I mean, no, 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 not, not that I know of. I haven't, you know, I haven't been boxed into a corner yet where I'm like, I have to do something that I know that God would not want me to do. But it came close a couple years ago when they had a wear, wear your pride shirt day at school. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Hang the pride flag on your... It's a safe space for you to, you know. Yeah, you're not safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right? <laughs> so, so I, I, before I get too far off derailed here, um, the primary purpose and our primary responsibility is to those within the church. Now, here's the neat thing. If you can think about it the right way, it gets glorious. What if every church was properly caring for all of its people? Right? One of, yeah. You would st- people would see that. Right? Which gets, again, at the heart of what this is about. You're displaying what, God, what it really looks like to do service to God. Right? Loving one another. It doesn't, it's not to exclude and say, well, you're not one of us. We're going to love you, right? That's obviously not what I'm saying here. But when you talk to people and you start talking this way, the people that are over on that end, they're like, oh, you don't love everybody then. No, that's not, no. But there's a primary. In fact, let's even take it down smaller. I have my, my primary responsibility is to care for, especially when I had kids growing up, make sure that they were fed cared for my wife was cared for that was that was my my main responsibility it wasn't everybody else's responsibility right and if i wasn't doing that what should have happened is somebody should come along and said hey you're not doing your responsibility aren't you a christian (laughs) right but here's we have to think we have to think through these things we have to be really purposeful about these things now there's some other things i could get into but my dad's already given me two mean looks so i know i'm getting close I haven't got to the last phrase. Paul, would you like to say something about the last phrase? I, I think it's been misused a lot. Mm. Uh, but the camps that want to talk about what religion is just that orphans and widows, that's another phrase they don't notice. Yeah. But I, I, the only thing I think I'd stay, say about it is unstained, that picture, um, you know, that, that shirt that you just do all your chores in and it's just gross contrasted with what Mark just said, if every church is doing these things, will stand out mm. that an unstained, clean shirt, like almost like that cross on this new great black background, mm-hmm. it just stands out. Mm-hmm. That, that's, I mean, there's probably lots to say about what this unstained by the world means. Yeah.
they, they can't hear your message. The bad explanation is they can't hear your message until you know they take care of your you take care of their physical needs. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember going to a homeless ministry in New York and having somebody say that to me as his reasoning for why he was doing it. And the very next week when we did it again, I was instead with a different individual who used to be homeless hmm. and was an addict and knew some of the people that we were going to go give. And their explanation was, I just love these people. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that I think there's a lot of people who want to keep themselves relationally unspotted from these horrible people when the calling is actually to just have compassion. Yeah. And what does that really mean? I think, because I, 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 I felt like my dad has given me the third mean look, um, or maybe the fourth, I don't, but that may just be his face. <laughs> I can't tell. Um, I, let's come back to this next week. And I, I'd, love to, I'd love to talk more about it because there's, there's, there's then questions of, well, for what do we, what do we do about some of those things? If somebody comes, how do we respond? Um, I can tell you what I, I think and how we've kind of handled this in the past, but there's even some other ideas. But I, I'd love to have, let's pick up on this that piece. Can we do that next week? Just come back to it next week and we'll focus on that piece, okay? You guys are dismissed.